Well, hello, everybody. I'm so glad that you're able to join us for the podcast today. My guest, Ashley Pearson Khan, is glowing. So, hello, Ashley. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for asking. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. And just as a point of reference for our listeners, this episode is being recorded considerably early. So if, you know, Armageddon happens or anything of that nature, just know that this episode was recorded on January 28th, 2021. So going right into it, I guess we can just go ahead and get this conversation started. I'm really excited to have it. And I'm sure everyone listening on whatever platform they're listening on will enjoy it as well. But the first thing I want to ask you about is actually, just tell us about yourself. Okay, so I always like to start off with where I'm from versus where I live because I just moved to Canada, but I was born and raised in the U.S. Um, I grew up in the state of Arkansas, so born and raised there. My family is all there, but I recently got married, so I moved to Canada. So Canada is very new to me. Um, I've been here since September, so... And with COVID, I haven't got to explore a whole lot, but I've got to see a few things around Canada. Um, so enjoying that part so far. So I always feel like that's so important because I want people to know that I'm from the U.S. because everyone now knows that I live in Canada. And so I'm like, but I'm American, <laughs> you know? So that's like an important thing to me, I guess. And I feel like so many people are like, where is Arkansas? So I always tell people next to Texas. And then eventually that turns into, she's from Texas. And I'm like, that's not what I said. I'm, I'm Texas neighbor. <laughs> of course. And just for a point of reference, uh, I'm from Mississippi, so I know where Arkansas is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right down south. So I we're very familiar with that state as well. Which province would you happen to live in in Canada? Ontario. Very interesting. Yeah. So I live just outside the city limits of Toronto. Very interesting. And just as another point of reference to our audience, Toronto is the uh, capital of Ontario. It's not the capital of Canada. That's Ottawa. But very interesting. How's life living in the big six? It's nice. There are so many more options for like food and entertainment from where I lived, <laughs> which is really nice um, because before some of our lockdowns, because we are currently in lockdown right now, I was able to go out and um, try new foods and everything like that. And of course, I've only seen like one Taco Bell here, which like blew my mind because I have friends back home that love Taco Bell. Not that I eat there much. Um, <laughs> and we can always get in this into this later if you want to. But I only eat halal meat, which a lot of Muslims do. And doing that in Arkansas is next to impossible for especially like every meal. And here... There's halal spots everywhere, even just down the road, which blows my mind because that's so new to me. Very interesting. I'm, I'm not going to lie either. Um, not everything is similar between Mississippi and Arkansas, but that would be another similarity uh, yes. as well. There's probably not a lot of uh, halal places. I mean, there's like in terms of just cuisines. I mean, there's Mexican places, of course. There's a few Chinese places, very few Vietnamese places. But like once you get more specific, it just gets harder and harder to find places. But I think I'm preaching to the choir here to an a <laughs> uh, former Arkansonian. Yeah. So, yeah. I know another thing in Canada that's really interesting, just before we get into the, uh, the meat of what we're talking about, is it's called, it's not, it's the replacement for Starbucks. It's like the... Oh, yeah. Tim Hortons. Okay, so I have to show you. I actually have my Tim Hortons cup. This is a French vanilla. Um, I usually yeah. get tea from Tim Hortons. I know I was such a Starbucks girl in Arkansas, oh and we do have Starbucks, of course, but my husband is such a Tim Hortons person, and him and his friends go almost every day, so they're like, you want your usual? And I'm like, sure. So I'm happy with Tim's, but if I go back to Arkansas to visit, I usually go to Starbucks. So I guess you could say I love both. <laughs> I understand that. And you know, it was Starbucks that was founded in Seattle, Washington. What's interesting about Tim Hortons, it was actually founded by a hockey player, so. Yeah, and hockey's huge here, so. <laughs> it's like Canada's football, even though there's a CFL technically. Yeah. But, you know, gotten into any teams uh, around Toronto or maybe the Raptors, possibly? That's what I'm thinking. I was like, I might as well root for the Raptors. Also, I just think their mascot is super cool. <laughs> like, who doesn't love that? So, I definitely cheer for them. Yeah, I completely understand that. 
So I guess going into the uh, meat of our conversation, trust me, the rest of it is going to be just as lighthearted as lighthearted as this. Going to be very enjoyable, so don't worry about it. But I guess I want to talk about just you as a person, and as well as a big part of your identity, which is uh, being a Muslim woman. So can you please explain how you got into the faith, kind of got introduced to that, and kind of leading up to now? So kind of just an overview of that. Sure. So. I guess for some people, it looks like my journey was just kind of like one month long. But really, to me, I think it started years ago when I was in college. And I think I was a junior in college. Um, There was an event. I saw a flyer for it, decided to go. And it was called Global Connect. And so they partner American students with foreign students to kind of be like a mentor. So they just ask that you meet for maybe one hour a week talk to them if they have questions and just if you know maybe they don't have a lot of friends or family there things like that and so I went and um, ended up getting a partner with someone from Saudi Arabia and so she wore a hijab she was Muslim and I remember when I first saw her I just knew that she was supposed to be my partner and luckily we got paired up and I got to know her um, over like the next two-ish years, you know, like two um, school years. And then she graduated and left. She got her master's degree. Um, her husband and her two kids were there, so they all went back home. And right after she left, I ended up learning about the organization World Hijab Day. It was the night before, and so I thought, I'm going to do this. They invite non-Muslim women and even Muslim women who don't wear hijab to wear it for a day. And so I was like, okay, I've never done this. I don't know how to put it on, but I'm just going to go for it. So I watched some YouTube videos. I put one on. I said, hopefully I can recreate this tomorrow. (laughs) And the next morning I did. And I just remember putting it on and I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know how people are going to treat me today because we did live in a town that And a lot of Arkansas is like this. They don't see a lot of Muslims. And so, you know, sometimes people can say such harsh things to them. And so I was like, I don't know how people are going to treat me. But that's like part of the experience. So I went out and I did it. And of course, people were like, what are you doing? Like, you don't normally look this way. And so I explained to people that it was World Hijab Day. And I just kind of did some more research about it. And I was like, this is really nice and exciting because you can stand in solidarity with these women. And so I applied to be an ambassador. I was accepted. And then the next year I was living in a little bit of a bigger city. I lived in the capital city of Arkansas, which is Little Rock. So I went, um, I was working at a university as well. And so I went to their event and hung out with them, met them. So then the year after that, so this will be, that was going to be year three of me being involved with World Hijab Day, I held an event off campus. And so I invited the community of Little Rock to come. And I had the help of some women from the Islamic Center. I also went to churches with them because they give out scarves and just talk about why they wear it um, with other women of faith, um, typically Christians. And so by the end of it, I told them, I said, I will miss hanging out with you guys. You have been so nice. And I was becoming friends with them. So I said, maybe I'll come visit during Ramadan. So as I was thinking about that, I knew that World Hijab Day did a 30-day hijab challenge. And I hadn't done it the year before because I was so worried about trying and failing. And I was like, I don't want to do that because then I'll feel like I let them down. So I thought, I'm going to do it this year. So I was like, I'm going to wear the hijab and I'm going to go to the mosque. I might as well fast with them and I'm going to read the Quran and I'm going to learn so I can be a better advocate for these women and the people of this religion. And throughout the whole month of Ramadan, I ended up just falling in love with their religion. I saw, you know, the similarities between Islam and Christianity and Judaism and all of this. And I was like, wow, it's amazing the things like that holds you back when you don't know something. When you grow up in a small town and you don't learn about religions in depth and you don't meet these people, how much you don't know. And so by the end of it, I just fell in love with it and I converted and I basically didn't take my hijab off. Uh, that's a that's an amazing story. I'll be honest with you. The first platform I actually heard from you on was actually through another YouTube channel. It was called Muslim Convert Stories. Mm-hmm. What I've learned from that experience and also just looking at your channel as well is that ultimately you're not an anomaly. Obviously, there are other individuals, both male and female, who look like you or don't look like you, come from different countries, different backgrounds, who have 
had differing journeys into faith, mm -hmm. but they ended up converting. And that's something that also needs to be noted because with Islam, it's actually the fastest growing religion in the world and is actually expected to surpass Christianity probably another 40, 50, 60 years down the road. Mm -hmm. And something else that is also interesting that I hope our our listeners can grasp from this is that there's more than one way to be happy. There's more than one way in life to really feel fulfilled as an individual. And Christianity does not have a trademark or a monopoly on that. So to hear your story and to see how, uh, how confident and how uh, happy you are as an individual, that's really amazing to see. So thank you, thank you for sharing that testimony. So I guess going into the next thing, I know that you mentioned the hijab. I know that the 2021 theme will be don't let our pride be your prejudice. 2020's theme was unity and diversity. What do you think is the importance of these themes for World Hijab Day for people who are Muslim, people who aren't Muslim, and just the, uh, the world at large? So I think for other Muslim women, it's important because you want to feel empowered because people think that we're oppressed because we wear the hijab. But really people are oppressing us by being so negative about it and t telling us, you know, why we wear it. Um, you know, I have a lot of people come for me on the internet about my hijab, the way I wear it, or, you know, negative comments. I had one on Twitter recently of a girl who said, I was wearing it because of Stockholm Syndrome and she couldn't explain to me why she thought that. And I'm like, but this was my choice. It's a personal choice for everybody. People will argue, you know, that there are countries who force women to wear it, but there's like maybe two or three countries who are like, this is mandatory, you have to wear it. But, you know, in the U.S. and several other countries, Canada, we do have the privilege of choosing it. And if I've chosen it, then I'm not oppressed. So I think it's really important for women to feel good in their hijabs and not fear walking out their door. And then those themes also show people that we are proud of our hijabs, that we want to wear them. And I think that's so important because, like I said, those negative comments, they don't understand, you know, why we're wearing it. They only look at the negative aspect. And that's the whole point of World Hijab Day is to invite these people to put it on and see how it feels, things like that. That's a beautiful answer. And would you say that through the course of, I guess, I guess interacting with other individuals, I, I know that hasn't always been negative in many ways. It's actually positive as well. Would you say that you've met another person who's kind of had a similar story? Have you met other reverts? Have you met other people who uh, got uh, introduced to Islam through World Hijab Day? There are a few. Um, there's even some non-Muslims who wear hijab full-time. They found World Hijab Day and become ambassadors. Um, everybody just kind of has a little bit of a different story. Um, I did take a revert class, and I do find that some people don't even know about World Hijab Day, so I'm like, oh, let me tell you about it, you know, and they might put their hijabs on only to come to the mosque, and then later they take them off because they're just not sure, and living in an environment where you don't see it often can be pretty scary you know people often say it's a brave thing to do and there are women who are so scared they have to take them off and it's like you can't blame them you know but everybody kind of has a different reason but there's some great testimonies even on the world hijab day website where women they've struggled with hijab and they were like you know what i'm gonna wear it for this one day or maybe i'll take the 30-day hijab challenge and i'll keep it on this time and so that really does help them in the end that is extremely beautiful. And as it relates also to uh, reverting to Islam, I can tell with the process it took, this decision wasn't made lightly, it was made with full confidence. I guess in the process of uh, becoming Muslim, was there a point where you said, you know what, whether it was in hindsight or at the moment, it's like, this is the right choice for my life and what I need to do to develop a relationship with God? So there was kind of that one moment where I was like, oh, yep, this is it, <laughs> because Throughout the month of Ramadan, when I was studying, I think about a week into it, I could feel something starting to change. Like you just have this feeling like, oh, life is changing. And one of the things that held me back was what my family would think because I would be the only Muslim. And the way that the media portrays Muslims sometimes is very negative. But I kept telling my family, even throughout the years, as I had Muslim friends, after like throughout college and beyond, I was like, Muslims are the nicest people I've ever met. 
and eventually like every now and then um one of my family members might meet one or some of my friends and they're like you're right they really are the nicest people so as i was studying um and ramadan came to an end i was sitting um at a table everybody was praying and i was watching a few purses for some people who were praying because i was one of the few who wasn't and i'd already asked my friend to teach me because i was just very curious you know it's a very different way of prayer and So I was reading the Quran and I was actually reading the part where God was talking to Mary about having Jesus and all of that. And I was just like, this is such a beautiful thing that our religions and Christianity and Islam are so connected. And I just felt a sense of peace. And this lady comes up to me and there were a lot of people who didn't realize that I wasn't Muslim. And so she said something to me and I said, well, I'm not Muslim yet. And she said, why do you hesitate? And I just didn't have a good answer anymore. I was like, I've thought about this for a long time. And so I was like, I'll tell my mom first and go go through those motions. But I text my friend right away and I said, I want to do this. When can we do this? Where should I do this type thing? And I was like, I'm just ready to do this. So it was just that, that moment of, I don't even have a good reason to not be Muslim anymore because I had fallen in love with their religion so much. And I know you uh, mentioned your mother just before we really went into the nuts and bolts of the interview, and I know you did just now. Um, How was her reaction? My mom has always been really supportive of me. For a lot of the beginning of my life, it was just me and her before she um, married my stepdad, who to me is dad because he's been my dad since I was five. So it was just me and her a lot. And so we've always had a special bond. And so she's always been very supportive and so she said i'll support you i'm worried about the rest of the family and i was too but she's like if this is something you want to do then that's your life you know and she's still christian so you know it still worked out sounds like a great mother yeah she is i guess with the process of uh reverting what has been the the hardest thing was it learning arabic because i mean there's like there's 28 characters, but like it changes depending on if it's in the beginning, the middle, the end, or separately. Is it like trying to go through the Quran knowing previously what you learned in the Bible and trying to unlearn that or change what you know? What's been the hardest part for you? It's funny that you you would bring up those two things because I'm like, oh yeah, learning Arabic. I remember watching my friend in college write and I thought I'll never learn how to do that. I'll never learn how to read anything like that. First of all, they write right to left. And I'm like, Where, what are all these dots? I'm like, I don't understand any of that. I was like, that is too crazy. Then when I converted, I ended up taking two classes. So I really just dived right into learning. So I took a new Muslim class. And then we would go right over to another room, into another building, and do Arabic classes. And I was just like, oh my gosh. I was so intimidated. And I also just hate saying things out loud in front of people, like when trying to learn a new language. Like I did not handle Spanish class very well in high school. Honestly, the alphabet came very easily. And I ended up doing lessons with a friend beyond that as well. And then eventually it just turned into doing it one day a week at the Islamic Center. And so I was like, learning the alphabet wasn't too hard. I'm a bit slow when it comes to reading it. It is difficult, but it wasn't as hard, I think, as I imagined. I do sometimes, I'm like, oh, I remember this story from the Bible. And it might be a little bit different in the Quran. But I'm like, I'm so glad some of the people are the same. But of course, like in Christianity, people say Jesus. We call him Isa. You know, there's a few different things. But for the most part, you know, there's a lot of similar stories. So that was helpful. I think one of the hardest things was telling my family because I was so nervous and that was a roller coaster ride of support and then you could tell like uncertainty from them but luckily you know they accepted it it wasn't like anybody was like you're not coming to my house anymore or you know like you're not welcome or you know we don't want to see you anymore because I was really worried that would happen but it didn't so I think just being a practicing Muslim and being A good example is something that you have to be aware of all the time, especially because you just never want to be, I guess, a negative example out in the world. So like when people get road rage or something, I'm like, I can't get road rage. I can't make hand gestures at people because I'm wearing my hijab. I have that outward appearance of a Muslim. And so like I have to be like the best person I can be out there because I'm representing a lot of people. And so it's just learning all the things that you need to do and like 
just practicing to the best of your ability is challenging because it's a new faith, you know, learning how to pray and pray five times a day. But it's also such a beautiful thing. And, you know, it's a new lifestyle. And for me, it's a better lifestyle than ever before. Perfect. That just, that sounds amazing. Um, Something I've done this year that this is actually my second attempt. I actually started reading the Quran again. Um, something that was kind of interesting was when I was a senior in high school, the first experience I had with that was my brother. He actually went to, for like a, I think like a, like a U.S. history or world history AP class he had. He went to an Islamic center. He got a few materials, um, you know, copy of the Quran, a, a DVD that had like a, a recitation in Arabic and English. And I remember when I played that DVD for the first time, I got through the first sword. I was like, okay, only seven verses. Okay, let's go. And then I went to the second one and it's like, it was first, the recitation was, you know, sung in Arabic and then it was English and like, oh my goodness. Like, like I was a week in and I was wondering like, how long is this, I guess the equivalent of chapter because it's taking so long and then it got so, got so frustrated. It's like, you know what, I'm just going to have to look at other books and then I, what I did was I decided to pick it up again at the start of this year, and I found out that that, I think, was around 276, I think, I believe it's pronounced ayahs. So that was, like, absolutely crazy. But, you know, it gets shorter. It gets progressively shorter as you read further in the book. And, you know, I will admit, I'm also reading it alongside the Bible. This is the mm-hmm. second time I, uh, I'm reading the Bible. And I must say, there are some differences. You know, um, it's it's interesting to see some concepts, you know, like, Moses was Muslim and Jesus uh, wasn't the son of God, but he was basically, he was still born through an immaculate conception. He just wasn't Mm -hmm. the son of God. And the way I read it isn't from a place of incredulity or like, oh, this is all wrong and throw it out the window of my apartment. What I'm doing is while I'm reading it, I'm thinking, huh, this is really interesting because even though you come at it from a different viewpoint, you can still appreciate the fact that this is still a holy book. People over like 1 billion people still have respect for this religion and still adhere to this religion. And, you know, it's a good piece of writing. I found it very engaging. Mm -hmm. I found it very beautiful. There's a lot of similarities between the Bible and the Quran, even though there are some differences. It almost seems as if you need to read the supplementary materials before you read the Quran, because a lot of stuff, it's as if it's already been explained before. But ultimately, when people, you know, the Alex Joneses of the world or things of that nature, have a tendency to reject the Quran and things of that nature. If you think about it, and what I've discovered just 11 surahs in is like, if you reject the Quran, you're essentially rejecting the Bible too, just because Mm -hmm. there's so many things that are just ingrained into both books. And I think that's just something that a lot of people don't understand. Yeah, the connection is quite surprising, like, you know, if you haven't ever just picked up a Quran before and then it's like, oh, and so it's really good that you kind of reading them both at the same time. And I do feel like, you know, I agree with what you said. Sometimes you have to have something extra when you're reading the Quran. And so last year during Ramadan, I actually watched a series where they kind of break it down. Um, And so that was nice. And he would tell you, you know, the videos would go live at like five o'clock in the morning. And I was not, of course, watching them live. But every now and then he would be like, hey, go read this before we talk about it. But then he would break down surahs and everything like that to like talk about. And someone asked me one time, and I get asked this every now and then, they're like, how do you handle, I guess, and I'm trying to think of a good word for it, the strong language of the Quran. Because there are people who take out certain sentences that sound really terrible. And I'm like, but you can do the same thing with the Bible. The reason that it can come across as harsh is because it's supposed to be as clear as possible. But something I do love about the Quran, and I I try to, I think, tell my family this in the beginning, is the Quran will tell you when it says the believers versus the non-believers, the believers are Jews, Christians, and Muslims because they all believe in the same God. So little things like that, yeah, they just kind of blow me away sometimes. The thing what I've noticed is, especially when it talks about Christians, it seems as if this could obviously be misinterpreted. I feel like what it's trying to do is it's trying to say with the the way Christians see Jesus, it's almost as if they're not mad at them. They almost feel bad for them in a way because it's like, it's not as if it's going off of this is a complete falsehood, but looking at it at the the lens of a uh, Muslim or even someone who is Jewish, because this is really something just exclusive to Christianity, what people believe about Jesus. It almost seems as if it's a misinterpretation of who Jesus actually was. 
And as I was reading and I looked at it at that viewpoint, I'm thinking to myself, okay, trying to read this objectively, trying to look out outside of the lens of someone who is Christian. If you think about it, if you compare it to the other Abrahamic religions and you kind of do a, a Senate model for it, you, you know, give two representatives to Judaism, two representatives to Christianity, two representatives to Islam, the Christians are in the minority in terms of who, what they believe about Jesus, because they're really the only ones who believe that Jesus was the son of God. So it's just reading the Quran. What I've done is I've done my best to just look at it at a certain perspective and not at all look at it in a way that, you know, says this is wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah and just close it. But I, that's nothing what I've ever done. So I feel like that's a, another important thing to do as well. And, you know, even though there's a hundred, I believe, 114 surahs in it. And, you know, that sounds on, right. That's one of the things I've struggled with is going from the Bible where I knew what the books were called and then like talking about like the scripture and everything. The lingo is have been like so crazy to learn. So I always hesitate before I say something because I'm like, what if I'm wrong? <laughs> and so I try to like keep up with that because I go back and forth from reading the Quran, like hard copy to sometimes on my phone and things like that. And I've also gotten to where I try to look up like just positive quotes from the Quran and verses from the Quran. So I still use the term like verses sometimes. Um, and the first Friday of every month, I share one on my Instagram page. So I think it's good for my fellow Muslims who follow me. And two, good for like the Christians who follow me to see that the Quran is similar to the Bible in like its positivity and it talking about who God is and what he does for us and how merciful he is, like things like that. So I do try to do that as well, just to show people what the Quran is really like. Of course. And uh, just during the course of this, uh, this conversation as well, if I mispronounce anything, like, don't feel awkward. Just let me know. I'm trying to learn as well. Just, just try to be more, a more informed individual. So don't hesitate. No worries. There are still times I've pronounced certain words two different ways because I'm just like, how does this, how is this supposed to be pronounced? And sometimes people say it two different ways. Um, and I think something I've struggled with too is, you know, a lot of Muslims, they, they pray in Arabic. Some can read it, some can't. Some can read the Quran in Arabic, but still not quite understand it. They just can hear the beauty of it and things like that. But the family that I'm married into, they speak Urdu, which is similar to Arabic without as many of the scratchy throat sounds. And so sometimes I'm like, I hear them say words for like prayer, which is namaz in Urdu. And then I'm like, wait, is this an Arabic word or an Urdu word? <laughs> so I've learned a few different words and they're in different languages. So no worries there. Even though I would say that's Spanish, I know you mentioned that earlier. I'm, I'm trying to learn a little bit of Spanish myself is a, uh, is definitely a, a complicated language, especially with the speed. At least the, the subscript isn't too complicated. So, I mean, I'm sure, as you were indicating, it, it took some time to read. But, you know, I can tell that it's a sort of process that, you know, it gets better with exposure. It gets better with studying. A lot like learning any other language. So, Right. We will be right back. Hello everybody, I hope you have enjoyed the show thus far. In the bio, you will notice that I have posted two links. One is a link to my local guide profile. I am a freelance reviewer for Google. My 60 plus reviews and my over 500 photos have been seen by over 3.5 million people. I even have a couple followers now. I have done reviews on sporting venues, restaurants, theme parks, airports, and more across several states. The other is a link to a blog I started last year. I now post stuff on a regular basis. I know consistently posting stuff on the blog was an issue last season, but not anymore. The blog is entitled Going Places, Eating Things, and it is something I definitely look forward to developing even more. Be sure to subscribe to email notifications on the website to know when I make my latest post. Links to that and more from my end are included below. This podcast is now on YouTube this season after all. I hope you would consider subscribing to me on YouTube in whatever podcast platform you utilize. Links to Ashley's content are also included in the podcast description. It's good content all around. I promise. Back to the show. Is there anything that you would like to say that, a call to all the haters, quote unquote, that <laughs> you would like to say to people who 
question your platform, question your decision making, no matter in any context, would you like to say something in that regard, just to those listening? So I just, whenever I think about it, I'm like, we're all people. And, you know, people look at me and they think that I didn't make this choice myself or that I'm from somewhere else. And I'm like, I'm just a person who is open-minded. And especially like for people who live in the United States of America, a place that is supposed to have freedom of religion, people act like you, unless you're Christian, like you should get out. And I'm just like, but we're all people and we're not hurting you. And I understand that like 9-11 caused a lot of people in their minds to really hate Muslims. But I tell people all the time, and I told my family this, a true Muslim would not kill someone. They would not have done what those people did, things like that. Because to kill a person and be a Muslim, that's the equivalency to killing a civilization. And so, in like God's eyes. So that's something like we're, I feel like Muslims are just really peaceful people. And the media has just torn the reputation of Muslims apart, torn the reputation of the Middle East apart, because they see that as a place where that's that's where Muslims come from, that's the only place. But Islam is the most accepting religion. It doesn't matter, you know, race, your ethnicity, your age, like nothing where you come from, it doesn't matter. You can be part of it. And so I think that people just need to realize that we're all human. Like we're all on the earth together for a reason, right? You know, if especially like Christians, they're like, you know, we're all the children of God. But you, so you can't treat your neighbor, your Muslim neighbor, a certain way, you know, like a negative way. And so I think that's just important to remember in that it's okay to ask questions. I would rather someone come up to me and ask a question or start a conversation than stare at me or fear me. So I think that's just something that people have to go back to basic human thinking. Like we're all people. We're all here together. You know, I'm not here to threaten you or even like push my religion on you. Like you believe what you believe. You know, we all have different beliefs in everything. And I couldn't agree more. Something I talked about in my religion episode for the season one of the podcast was as related to just uh, Islam in general, a big logical fallacy that just absolutely falls apart is it's terrible how you see ISIS equated with Islam. Mm -hmm. I mean, people call that radicalized Islam, even though it's not Islam. Don't get it twisted. But people call that radicalized Islam, but you don't see people call the KKK radicalized Christianity. See, it's it's just it's a blatant double standard. Yeah, and where I come from, the KKK lived right down the road from me. And so I grew up in Harrison, Arkansas, where it is predominantly white people. They have their white pride radio billboards and so whenever I went to college, people like uh, people of color would ask me, hey, where are you from? And I would say it and they would go, whoa. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have to quit telling people where I'm from because they're going to think that I have the same beliefs as these people. And I just never did, even though I never saw or met anybody basically outside of Harrison. Um, I, luckily, I was just an open-minded person, but I was like, I don't want people to think I believe that because it's not right. Yeah, that is totally true. I guess in comparison to being in, maybe Harrison, Arkansas isn't the best example, but say compared to being Arkansas to Toronto, Canada, would you say there is a difference in the way people treat you? So it's funny because eventually I made my way onto Canadian TikTok. <laughs> I every <laughs> now and then scroll through TikTok. I'm not huge on spending a lot of time there. I see one of two videos. Things that Canadians are supposedly scared of, including bears and random animals when they're really apparently afraid of geese because there are a lot of geese here and they will attack you. And the second one is that they're too polite. And from what I have seen like of people, they are very nice and it's very diverse here. So there, you know, there's a good Muslim population, but then you have like people who are outside marching for like anti-mask rallies and things like that. So there's definitely a variety of beliefs here. There are areas and like anywhere else where they're probably not going to be as accepting, but for the most part, 
it's definitely a lot more open than Arkansas or even lots of places in the South. Yeah, I'll give it that. That is definitely true. And, you know, um, it's interesting that you said uh, anti-maskers. So just for our international audience, America is not the only place in the world that, that has anti-maskers. That's just something that just needs to be said. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, hopefully the dealing with that hasn't been too terrible. It's It's been okay. Um, when I first got here, my husband and I were out. We had our masks on. And there was this huge group of people, and he goes, I think they're anti-maskers. And I was like, well, it must be because they're in a very large crowd marching together, and they are not wearing masks whatsoever. Um, So that was really the only thing I think I've seen here that was kind of like, what? Um, Because I wear my mask everywhere I go. But for the most part, like I said, like everybody is like so nice here. But we have been in lockdown for a little bit now. I've only been back from... Pakistan for two weeks from our trip so two weeks tomorrow so we've been in quarantine and the um the whole Ontario province is on lockdown so we can't really do too much anyway of course uh, I've noticed that in terms of just overall mask wears there's typically a group of people you know who just do it and don't most people do it of course but you know I remember I went to Walmart last week and this is probably the most blatant example this guy just walked in the people at Walmart stopped him and said sir you need a mask and it's like um do you do y'all have masks on you and it's like no you need to bring your own mask and it's like man I need to get I need to uh go to my car to get that mask and like five steps like in the other direction he pulled out his mask from his jacket and he was like you know what um yeah I'm gonna go ahead and shop in the store now and then it was so blatant i like went to the the people who had to deal with that and i was like look i'm so sorry y'all have to deal with that like on a constant basis that's just terrible because the man like acted like he didn't have a max he acted like he was brand new to the program and it's just like he's just trying to game the system you know he's not the only one you can notice that there's people who use the excuse of you know what i'm talking on the phone that you know take off the mask or doing stuff like that and it's just like Acting like if you put a, a mask on, it's like you're being waterboarded or something. It's I just... know. That's so crazy to me. Or to watch somebody walk up to a door and be like, they'll see a sign and they'll hesitate. And they're like, oh, I have to go get my mask. And I'm like, did you just forget it? Or did you really think you were going to get away with not wearing it? <laughs> we will be right back. Okay, here's a much needed disclaimer. My guest and I are passionate about what we talk about in this episode but neither of us claim to be theologians, religious guides, or experts. We do our best to look at the discussed topics objectively, but we understand that we, like everyone else on this planet, have some innate biases and don't know the answers to everything. You can agree with what we say or take it with a grain of salt. You can completely disagree with one or both of our viewpoints or just disagree with certain parts. That's your decision, but please know we are not coming from a condescending place, but from a place of curiosity, insight, and interest as it relates to a subject we are both passionate about. So I guess another part of you as well, another part of who you are, is you're also a content creator. So would you like to go in a little bit about that? Sure. So I guess I didn't really plan anything extravagant content wise I thought you know people always ask me what my story is so I'll make a video put it out there because there are even born Muslims who find it really inspirational they're like oh my gosh here's someone especially who's from the U.S. who was open-minded enough to accept our religion because there are so many people who don't so I filmed my story and it took off I had other people say they wanted to put it on their YouTube channels and so they've been doing that I feel like most people see it from other people's channels because they're so much bigger um right before we went to Pakistan we had to go to the bank and my husband and I are taken back to this office and we go to sit down and the guy goes do you do YouTube videos and I said yes and he goes I think I watched one and I said yeah I have my own channel I said but you may have seen it from another channel and I told him because they changed the title just a little bit I said uh world hijab day led me to Islam or you know whatever the new title was And he goes yeah he said I watch a lot of feel-good videos like that and yours popped up and I was like oh my gosh that's so crazy and so I'm like there are people who sit and watch these because it makes them feel good and then I thought well maybe I can make some other 
videos that'll help new Muslims like who are reverted and then um, non-Muslims. So I did like a video for the struggles that reverts go through, um, going through Christmas as a revert because your family might be celebrating and you don't. So how do you go about doing that? So I kind of mentioned how I go through that. And I actually went back home to Arkansas around Thanksgiving. This lady that I know, it's so crazy. She is the mother-in-law of my friend's cousin. And I went to the cousin's wedding. So I know his mother-in-law and his wife. And I went home and they were there at Thanksgiving. And she said, hey, I really find your YouTube video so helpful. And I said, you watch my YouTube videos? And her daughter does too. And I was just blown away. They're like, yeah, they're really helping us out. Because they're not Muslim, but they married into a Muslim family. And so I was just blown away. I was like, okay, so these are really helping people understand no matter what side you come from. I'm hoping that they can be helpful for born Muslims to help reverted Muslims and then the non-Muslims to help better understand um, Muslims all around. And then I've done a couple of travel vlogs so far um, just to show people, um, you know, if they can't get out or, you know, you don't have the means to travel like, hey, this is what you can do or get ideas for your next vacation, things like that. Because who doesn't love to travel, you know? So <laughs> I just do little things like that. And it's been a lot of fun so far. Yeah, but I can definitely tell with your videos, you've definitely had a lot of fun as well. And something I've noticed as well is when you talk, you give this persona that, hey, I've done some research on this. I don't know everything, but I've done research on this and I'm open to listening to other people who are more experienced than me talk about this subject and give their input on how my journey led me to this point. And, you know, I notice how you're so open about that and talk about that and you've really fostered a great community, especially on YouTube. Little trade secret, I'm subscribed to you. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> of course. And uh, I've noticed you just fostered this community of just people, you know, who are just engaged in your content, like you as a person, and it's really beautiful to see. Thank you. Yeah, I sometimes I get comments where they're like, oh, can you recommend this or what about this? And I'm like, well, I'm actually still reading about it. I'm still learning about this. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty open about like, I don't know all the answers. And I do have people come to me for advice. They're like, hey, somebody wants to know about Islam. Where do I start? What do I say? And I'm like, well, here's how I was approached. You know, this is how I asked questions and, and things like that. Because whenever I was first learning, I really didn't turn to YouTube too much. I was so afraid that I would learn something that wasn't true. So I asked a lot of questions in person. And then with COVID, it's been hard because we're all online. And so I'm, I encourage people, I'm like, if you want to reach out to me, that's great. If I don't have all the answers, I know people to ask. <laughs> so, you know, I'm always going to be learning. I'm never going to know everything 100%. But, you know, that's why we have communities. That's why we have mosques and churches and things like that. And we all get together so we can learn from each other. So hopefully I'll keep that going. I really do think you should. And uh, with resources, there's there's definitely a, a whole bunch of great resources out there as well. So one person, an imam that I found actually last year that I found really interesting, I don't know if you've ever heard of him, his name is Omar Suleiman. I've seen several of his videos, and he, he's just a great guy, he's filled with a lot of wisdom just about life in general. And, you know, um, I, I just I just fell in love with him just instantly when I saw him at the uh, really a round table of three different teachers within, you know, Ju Judaism, Christianity, Islam. I can show you that video if you're interested in it. But, you know, obviously, um, there's definitely just a lot of great resources to use. And it's in the process of, you know, just looking at other channels, looking at, you know, random videos. I found out that um, David Chappelle was Muslim. I did not know that. I learned that recently as well. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, I actually found out some more about uh, Islam through, like, you know, salutations and greetings, things of that nature, actually through a, uh, a children's show. It's kind of like the, I guess you could say the Muslim version of Veggie Tales. It was Omar and Hana. I don't know if you've heard of that. That's also been extremely helpful and kind of entertaining, too. Uh, they kind of bully the dad, kind of like, uh, you know, Peppa Pig in a way. But, you know, that's also yeah. been very helpful. And, you know, even from a person who's from a different religion or a different ideological set, there's really nothing wrong with just looking at a different set of values, a different set of religion, just to become a more informed individual. There really should be no uh, pride in ignorance. And even though it's impossible to know everything, the least you can do is try or at the very least learn when you are corrected or learn from just trial and error. Yeah. I, my husband, he always says, you know, Ashley already knew how to pray. She knew a lot of things, so I haven't had to really teach her a lot. But every now and then, I'll ask him 
I guess interesting, but in somewhat ways simple questions. I asked him something about how I read where heaven, you can enter, there's seven different areas to enter. One of them you might enter if you fasted a lot or if you did this or that. And I'm like, so how is it determined which door you go through? Because I fast during Ramadan, but then like I might do something else. So, you know, I guess it's up to God which door you go through. And I was like, I imagine if you fast, that door you get to go through probably has lots of food, <laughs> you know. So I ask him like those really inquisitive questions every now and then. But I definitely know who Omar Suleiman is. He's a great scholar, very nice guy to listen to. I actually, I really love his series. He does a series about angels which is really awesome. They're really short little clips, um, all less than 10 minutes. And he did a little series, I think, last Ramadan with that. Um, I listened to a couple videos um, recently. I think that was just yesterday. Um, he is doing a little series on, it's I think called like Those Left Behind. Um, so it's, you know, when people experience death, it's like, you know, you go to the funeral and it's like, what about what happens when I dream about a loved one who's passed away? Or can that loved one hear me when they're in the grave? Things like that. And so he does a really good job of explaining things. He keeps them in short videos. Uh, but yeah, he's very, very knowledgeable. And there's also another scholar, Yasser Qadi. He has done a few like sit down talks with people of other faiths. Like uh, there's a Christian guy and I do not know what his name is but I watched a couple of their videos and they have such good conversations I can definitely share those with you um and they just have such a great respect for each other it's it's just really fun to to watch them talk and and do those kinds of things because interfaith dialogue is so important and even though I came from Arkansas that has a small Muslim community my mosque even during Ramadan throughout Ramadan they had guests who were Christian from churches, there were politicians and everybody, and they even have special dinners or lunches where it's just for interfaith to talk and see one another. And it's really cool because there are certain Christians who fast more often than others. So even when they came to visit during Ramadan, they were like, oh, we were fasting today too. So that was really cool. So I love those like interfaith dialogues. I'm currently at the uh, University of Southern Mississippi in Hattiesburg, uh, but I actually transferred from my previous institution, which was uh, Sanford University in Birmingham, Alabama. I remember I was involved with the uh, International Club. I really started to get into that the second semester, and then, you know, everything just ended. Unfortunately, because of the reasons we know why, uh, if you need a hint, just look at this mask. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember something I really enjoyed doing was they had these international lunches. Mm -hmm. A lot of the students who came there uh, were actually grad students. Uh, which is kind of interesting. And a lot of those were grad students from a university probably like 10 minutes down the road. It was the University of Alabama in Birmingham or UAB. And so they brought students from over there who were grad students. And essentially what they were doing was they just ate. You know, what they tried to do is they got a bunch of different people from different backgrounds, different faiths. And, you know, something I found that was very interesting about the approach they took was they made sure that everyone's dietary needs were met, you know, made sure that if, you know, if their religion said don't eat meat, they didn't eat meat, you know, if they made sure there was no pork, things of that nature, made sure everything was actually uh, authentic in terms of cuisine, so they didn't skip out on that, and, you know, you know, that was always very fun. I got connected to a lot of great people through that organization, and, you know, obviously I'm in a different chapter in my life now, but that is something I definitely rem remember very fondly, and I really enjoyed I've, I've seen something similar at the university that I used to work at. Um, we had a employees health and wellness center and the guy in charge there, he had some international students. I don't even know how they all met, but they were mostly grad students as well. But he ended up organizing a Friday lunch and they would all just get together and a lot of times the students would make food from their countries and we would all sit around and eat because I ended up I'd go to do there were massage chairs for the employees so I would take a 15 minute break and go use that and so he would introduce me to these students and then I got involved and I was like I'll eat lunch with you guys you know I got to do that a couple of times until a lot of people may know or don't know for Muslims Friday is like a Christian Sunday so eventually it was during time for prayer on Fridays and so I would go to the mosque or try to pop in and say hi to them real quick but I love little things like that you know um usually it's like the small things in life that mean the most and so like lunches like that those are really great they really are 
as we approach the uh, the closing of our conversation, which has been absolutely just life-giving and just amazing. Is there anything that you would like to highlight or talk about that we haven't talked about or just something you want to delve further into? Not that I can think of. It's been a great conversation and that hour went by really quick. I always love, you know, talking about religion, especially with people who are open-minded. It's, you know, like I said, that interfaith dialogue. I mean, that's basically what we're having. So yeah, unless you have any other questions. I'm going to say one more thing. I know you mentioned to some uh, people that you're going to share with me as well. I'm definitely looking forward to that email. Uh, one person that who's from Mississippi, his name is Albert Tate. He ended up moving to California. He's a Christian pastor, but something I just found really interesting about his message is like every time you listen to a message, it's just like he calls it, he's just spitting hot fire. He has like in the beginning, he has this custom song he plays and, you know, he like responds to people like, hey, good morning, Cheryl. You know, he just does that every time. It's, just, it's so interesting. So I think you'll find that very interesting as well. So I guess we can just do a little bit of sharing of resources and, you know. For sure. That sounds good. But hey, listen, Ashley, this has been an absolutely amazing conversation. Obviously, when we, uh, I guess I acquainted myself with you, I was just this random college student on the internet and you had no idea who I was. Hopefully the supplementary materials helped display the type of person that I was. But ultimately, just as I thought, this was an amazing conversation. So I want to thank you so much for joining me today for this first episode of the podcast. Thank you. I'm honored to be the first one <laughs> for the new season. And I wish you luck with the rest of it. I'm really glad that we got to sit down and have this talk. So thank you very much. Thank you so much for tuning in to the latest episode of the podcast. And thanks to Ashley Pearson Khan for joining me today. If you like what you listen to, I hope you would consider subscribing and even jumping over to YouTube to see our conversation in video format, albeit over Zoom. That is a new platform for the podcast this season, and I think will only serve to enhance the experience of the podcast. Though we do have some notable people returning to the show, I am also branching out to talk with some other associates of mine, as well as even completely new acquaintances. I'll even add a preview of what's to come for the next episode shortly. But even as new things are incorporated, some things will stay the same. This podcast will continuously seek to improve itself, and I will be just as receptive to my audience this season as I was last season. The audience this season will inevitably become larger, but you can also help with that. Share this podcast with people you know, and please look at the blog and local guide profile that I talked about earlier. As always, stay prosperous. I don't think accounting is going to happen uh, in the fall semester just because this is rough. Um, <laughs> that is, that's okay. <laughs> and, you know, it's not even that I'm bad with numbers. It's just I feel like I just get so frustrated with this job. And, you know, one of the principles of economics is, like, specialization makes the economy more efficient. So you can just outsource that and let someone who loves numbers and loves accounting take care of that. And you, you do what you want to do. <laughs> And we'll all be more efficient and happier. <laughs>